Right now, that we're going to chat with Markham Hislop about um, our premier heading off to Washington to sell Alberta Energy um, in the United States. Uh, Markham is an energy journalist and publisher of Energy News. Uh, Markham, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your time, sir. Go Flames. Yeah, I saw you tweeting this weekend. I was going to ask you, you're a Flames fan, hey? For a long time, uh, ever since um, the 2004, and, and well, actually before, but uh, I, love, I love me some Sutter hockey. Uh, defense first. <laughs> That's the way to go. That's the way to win championships. Well, we'll see if they can win a series, let alone a championship. They're in a bit of a hole here, Markham. <laughs> oh dear, uh, I, I don't know. I have never. Uh, I used to, you know I played competitive hockey back in the day. I've never seen anybody like Connor McDavid. Crazy. Goodness gracious, that guy is something else. Yeah, it's it's absolutely remarkable. I mean, if Calgary can come up with, uh, everybody says there's no answer to McDavid. They can't find an answer. Well, if they can come up with it, they probably crack the code. Everyone will want to use it. But uh, yeah, he's just on yeah. fire right now. Okay, indeed. The real reason we brought you on to talk today. Um, the Premier was in um, Washington last week, and he was speaking with uh, a very, very influential um, Senate subcommittee. He was speaking before the Energy and Natural Resources Committee. Um, and I don't know about you, Mark, I, I, I've long said, and I don't know how effective this was, but this is the kind of thing we need to do a better job of in Alberta, is selling the positive attributes to the energy sector in our province. Because I, and you and I have argued a bit about this before. I think, I mean, oil and gas aren't going away immediately. They're going to res- remain for some time, and we need to do a better job of selling the positives. And you and I have argued about whether it's ethical or not, but what did you think about Premier Kenny going down to Washington? Well, uh, I thought he made a pretty good case. I mean, this is great political theater for Kenny. Kenny, when you put him on an international stage like this in, in front of senators and the cameras are on him, and he was there with uh, Federal Minister Jonathan Wilkinson and the Quebec Energy Minister, and I mean, he, he loves to perform on that stage, and, and he did just a fine job. But he also made some very interesting arguments that I think deserve a uh, a second look uh, because they actually contradict his own argument for the Keystone XL and or Keystone 2.0, which he argued for in front of that committee. Yeah, I mean, he said Keystone XL is done and dusted, I believe was the quote. But yeah, he's talking about increasing more pipelines. So, so what stuck out? What, what did you see as contradictory? Let me read this uh, quote for you, and then I'll go through the numbers that he provided to the committee. So he said, between current unused capacity in the North American pipeline system and the prospect of pipeline optimization, plus the completion of Trans Mountain expansion, Alberta will be able to increase exports by over 1 million barrels a day within a few years. So here's the numbers. 300,000 barrels a day of current unused pipeline capacity. He says that can be by year's end, that can be up and running, right? Yep. 200,000 barrels a day by by rail. Now, we're only at around a little over 100 now, and there's been a maximum, I think we peaked in 2020 at at 400,000, so maybe his numbers might even be a bit low. Uh, 400,000 barrels a day of pipeline reversals and optimization. So the industry has been talking about this for years. The industry, pipeline industry has been very clever and very innovative on squeezing more capacity out of their existing pipes. And then he's, and then the last one is 525,000 barrels a day of, uh, from, from Trans Mountain expansion. Add them all up. That's 1.4 million barrels a day of new shipping capacity. Okay. That's and and Alberta makes Alberta produces four million barrels a day. So essentially, just by using the existing system, Alberta could increase production by a third. 
Okay. Within a very within a very short period of time. So why would you need another eight hundred and thirty thousand barrel a day pipeline in Keystone to the US or whatever it is? When you've already got one point four million barrels a day coming on stream. The other question, Mark, I mean, yeah, I mean good point. I hear what you're saying. Can can we can we meet that? Can we that increased capacity to ship, can we meet that production capacity? All of the increased uh, production uh, that will come out of Alberta this decade is going to be from the oil sands. Right. There's, you know, this the, the conventional production is stuck at around 500,000 barrels a day, and it's, it's not going to increase significantly. So it's going to come from the oil sands. And so if you're an, an oil sands producer and you expand your production of steam-assisted gravity drainage or mining, that's a 30- to 50-year investment for you. And it's expensive. You know, it's easy for for uh, for projects to get you know a billion dollars or more. And so, if you were looking out at the energy landscape today, where the International Energy Agency is predicting peak oil demand by the early 2030s at the latest, and you're looking at uh, what's going on in in Europe as Europe tries to get off Russian oil, and is electric, is the intent is they and they released a. a, a a strategy uh, last week called Re, uh, Repower EU, where basically they're going to try to electrify everything, including transportation, which is where they use oil. And you're looking at that and and investing in a lot more production is not a great idea. It's just too uncertain. Right. It's, it's not. We don't know what oil production is going to be because oil now has a competitor in electricity. And so what oil companies tend to do in cases like that is stick to their knitting and not make a lot of, you know, risky bets. So could we do it? Uh, Sure. Uh, Is there a market? Remember, keep in mind, Shay, in the U.S., there are only 5.5 million barrels of heavy crude refining capacity in the entire country. And the two and a half of those are in uh, the U.S. Gulf Coast, and then about I think about five hundred thousand in California, and the rest is in the American uh, Midwest. And that's it. You can't re- you can't refine heavy crude bitumen, uh, dilbit. You can't ref- in a in a regularly kitted refinery. You need a special kit for it. Right. And there's there's a limited market. It's only about twenty five percent of the the U.S. market. So all, it's a really complex equation that doesn't have any easy answers. One of the points that he brought up repeatedly, and I, I want to get the what you think the truth is here. He was down there talking about the fact that, you know, you're running off to Saudi Arabia, you're running off to Venezuela. Why aren't you talking to us? And then the Minister of Environment, Wilkinson, stood up and said, well, we are. We, we've talked to a lot of them. We're, we're, we're involved in some of these discussions. So, I mean... Is Alberta overlooked? I mean, we already supply over 50% of the uh, imports to the United States. I mean, can we do a better job? That seems to be one of the the drums that Kenny likes to beat on. And it makes sense to me. We should be the first place you look at. He says, bring us into the... um the uh, Defense Protection Act so that we have to be the first choice for Americans. Um, does that make sense? Right. So what he was uh, annoyed about, and uh, Premier Kenny has been on and on for years now about, you know, blood oil, dictator yeah. Yeah. oil, conflict oil, and so on. The problem is, if you need to step on, step up uh, production in the short term, who's got it? Who's got spare capacity? Yeah. Well, that would be that would be Saudi Arabia. You can't you can't go to the again getting back to the the oil sands producers. You can't go to them and say, "Hey, can we have another uh, you know two hundred and fifty thousand barrels a day by next week?" 
or next month or next quarter. It doesn't work that way. So there, there's a, a pretty good reason why Biden went to the uh, to the uh, to OPEC or called for OPEC to to increase uh, production. And here's another thing, uh, and I, this is, doesn't get enough attention in Alberta. Uh, just a couple months ago, Mexico announced that it's going to, as of 2024, it's going to stop exporting 600,000 barrels a day of of Maya heavy to the U.S. Gulf Coast. So that's a major, Mexico's always been a competitor of Alberta, and they're going to stop all exports because they want to, they want to refine it at home. So all of a sudden, we've got, uh, we've got declining uh, production of heavy in California. So there's a market there for, for uh, heavy crude shipped on Trans Mountain expansion. We've got uh, very strong demand down in, in the Houston area, down in the, in the Gulf Coast. The, the, the Canadian producers have got about all the demand they can handle for the next few years. So, you know, this is great political theater, but at yeah. the end of the day, there's a reason why the oil, the oil sands companies aren't, you know, taking center stage in this debate. That's the question I wanted to ask, Mark. I mean, we'll leave it at that uh, after this uh, question. With, with Kenny, and we were talking about it earlier, how Daniel Smith says he needs to do a better job of fighting Ottawa. Well, he fought all the fights. They just weren't winnable. Uh, but they weren't before he started. He, but he's more than willing to engage in these kinds of, as you say, political theater exercises to make it look like this is happening, and he's pushing this envelope, and he's down there, and he's in Washington, and he's talking to this committee. Does it actually move the needle? Is it for him or is it for increasing Alberta energy exports? It's for him. I, there, there, is, uh, there is no benefit uh, to, uh, for uh, immediate benefit, maybe even long-term benefit, uh, for him uh, pounding on, you know, up on his soapbox like that. And it's, 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 it's for the Alberta audience there. And within the industry, the industry is kind of split on this. There, uh, there are, you know, CEOs and executives who really like that kind of fight back language. Yeah, and yeah. that's, that's, you know, the, uh, but there are a lot, according to my sources, there are plenty who sit there and shake their head and, and think that he does more harm than good. Well, that's just like the voters, too. I mean, it's basically the same kind of breakdown when you talk about voters in the province. A lot of this stuff, people love it. They love the fight. And then there's other people going, yeah, well, pick a fight you can win. And let's try that for a while. Well, and, you know, there's something to be said for, uh, you know, working with uh, the senior government when it has jurisdiction over things like, uh, you know, uh, pipelines across borders or uh, yeah. environmental assessment of big projects. I mean, at some point, you have to cooperate with those who have jurisdiction and not be fighting them all the time. Yeah, makes sense. Markham, always a good discussion. Thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Take care. That's Markham Hislop, who is an energy journalist and publisher of Energy News. That's E-N-E-R-G-I News. And um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he got a good audience. And that committee that he spoke to is very influential. How influential? Will it make a difference?